For today's podcast, I'm going to interview one of my friends and mentors, Tony Blauer. Tony's an amazing instructor who really specializes on reality-based self-defense and fear management. I think you will enjoy this. So let's get started. Here's my interview with Tony Blauer. Guys that are on, thank you. I'm excited about this talk today. Mr. Blauer's been a, a mentor of mine for a long time, and I'm excited to get a chance to uh, to be able to, how's your training going? What What are you doing right now? Yeah, with I'll, I, what I'll do is I'll, this is, we're like a really bad vaudeville act. I should just try to get them. You're behind scenes figuring out how to, how to put the magic trick together. Um, <laughs> dude, I, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you something very interesting that happened out of the pandemic and I'll let you figure that out and everyone can listen to this. Is this live now? Are people watching? Yeah, we're live, man. Oh, people are hey, watching. Everybody. We're live. Um, so, uh, most of my business, as as you know, but but maybe your audience doesn't know, most of my business since the early 90s, I shifted to training law enforcement and military, and I almost do that exclusively. And and when the lockdown happened, we had to postpone 15 courses in uh, in March and April, and that represented like like tens of thousands of dollars to a boutique company. It wasn't sustainable, so. For the first couple of days, I was like, okay, this is okay. You know, like, uh, you know, we'll take a break. Mm-hmm. But then we started hearing rumors of this might go on through the summer. And then there was that one day where where uh, uh, someone came on the news and said, this is going to be a year, year and a half. And I'm like, whoa, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my business. I could lose everything. And I went really big in the fear loop for a second because this was like an invisible enemy, you know, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. And this, this kind of circles back to the theme and the title of how do you get strategic during a pandemic, because I think everybody, and not knowing the demographic of people on here, but everybody, male or female, is is a leader, and they're the CEO of their household. They're the CEO of their, of also maybe their business, if they run a martial arts school, whether you're teaching out of your garage as a side business, or it's your main business like, like you and I. And um, I found myself in the fear loop, which was really interesting for me because you know one of the things that that i want to get into and share is this this research 40 years of research on fear and how suddenly understanding the neuroscience and the psychology of fear helped me out and i want to use my story to try and inspire and motivate your audience and what evolved out of this was within a week of that moment me and my, uh, my 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 team were amazing. I mean, I, I literally was in awe of them stepping back, got out of their way. Um, but they built, we built uh, two new websites. We created a, a two-hour uh, two course online called Essentials of Personal Safety, which is directed just to families and their kids. Uh, and, uh, I mean, anyone can join, but really for, hey, parents, you're out, you're worried about your kids, we don't know what's happening. Right. Um, and then we also... Uh, um, and this is the coolest thing for me ever. I started teaching out of my garage to a Zoom audience. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of people for, you know, I've been around for 40 years now, for officially 41 to 43, depending on, right. on how you look at it. When, you know, when you decided you actually started. And I get emails all the time, as I'm sure, you know, you've got a whole team under you. People want to know when, 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 uh, when Dave Kovar is teaching the class. Like, a, you know, and, and you've got a whole team that you, the same thing, I would get emails, hey, are you teaching this beer and bodyguard cause? Are you teaching this spirit course? Are you doing that? And I have a canned response, a really nice one going, 
know, 15 years ago, I started uh, uh, training my trainers. I have a mobile training team. And there's no way I could continue to do this stuff with the world travel. Right. I didn't have a physical location. And so what was fascinating was was people would always say, but, you know, are you know are you going to be there? I want to train with you. I want, to, I want you to be there. And uh, I'd go, listen, you don't want me to be there. I'm a mad scientist. I go down rabbit holes. You don't get any reps. I like I talked for five hours and you didn't even throw a punch. And I said, my team is amazing. They're all made up of ex-mill, ex-law enforcement. They can stay on on schedule. So what happened with this is, like, my team is standing down. Nobody can move. And I was like, whoa, what am I doing? And uh, I started teaching out of my garage with Zoom. And I've got, like, uh, you know, we're up to, like, uh, like 80-plus students in the class. But I've got Romania, Australia, Italy, Spain, all over the world. But people who could never get to me, pandemic or not, would never get to me. The, but the coolest thing and the last thing I want to share with you and your audience is this. When did you start teaching, Dave? What, what age did you actually start? So, well, you know, once, once again, depending on how you look at it, I taught my first private lesson at 14 in 1975, you know, yeah. or 74, right, right in there, you know. And when did you start group class? When did you start teaching? I, I opened up my first school in November of 1978. So this is my 42nd year. That, that's nice. that, right out of high school. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, kind of same time. Parallels like that. But so think about you back in 1978, 79, 80, and you're going, oh, my God, I got goosebumps right now thinking about that for you. Yeah. Where you're going. So think about this, that you're back then. You're starting out. You're excited. You can't wait to do your class. But imagine if you had your mind now. Right. Then. And, and this, is, this is what I'm explaining to people is I started teaching. I hadn't taught a group class in 15 years. Other than like doing a seminar, like what? Right, right, about. right. Sure, but, but those are really like those it's are different. Different. It's a one thing. It's a one-time shot. Yeah. You got this it, group. You got kind of yeah. one presentation and you're, you're going to do exactly. And you're talking about a theme or a concept. You're not taking people through. This is our stance. These are our nonviolent postures. Mm-hmm. This is how you weaponize the startle flinch. And what I did, so I started teaching, and I had to think about okay, this might go on forever. And this is a psychology I want to share with all the. Uh, uh, um, well, anybody listening to this is I have no more weeks. There's no more weeks and months in my life. There's today and there's tomorrow. I bust my butt today. I look at, at the end of the day, I go, did I get through what I wanted to do? If I didn't, I move that to tomorrow. I assess, is this what I, you know, is this the best use of my time? And then I plan tomorrow because things can shift so quickly and, and it, it just worked out. But But this garage gym thing, is the thing I'm most, I'm extremely passionate about everything I do, but it's, it's the thing I look forward to four times a week because I'm in there, but it's like, I got my energy of when I was 25. Right. Right. But I've got, but I've got this, this turning 60 mind understanding the way I'm explaining things, the way I'm, it's so exciting. So very cool. Uh, well, you know, one of the things we'll have to do is make sure to post a link so people can find out more about that. Anybody that wants to, you know, find out more about your class, I'll make we'll make sure to put something in here at the end so people can, uh, uh, you know, can hear more about it if they want to. So, hey, man, I, I'm excited about having you on here. You and I have known each other for a long time. I've been to several of your events. I always learn a lot. And uh, and you've you kind of for a long time, maybe for 10, 15 years, you were kind of in the martial arts world quite a bit. And probably it seemed like a shift about a decade ago. 
you really focus more on military and law enforcement. And, and so a lot of my martial arts friends that, that kind of a newer generation might not be as familiar with you. Right. Uh, you've done a lot of stuff, man, through the years. You've obviously a, 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 like a martial arts scientist, to be sure. You know, you've always been kind of questioning stuff. Thank and. You. And, 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 you know, kind of, as I, as I described you, I said the bleeding edge and the bleeding edge in my mind, it wasn't a typo. You're not the only one right. that saw that. It was actually right. on the, on the tip of the cutting edge, which is blood. That was my right. thought. Right. You know, you're always, you know, you're thinking ahead of a lot of people. And like, of course, reality-based self-defense is a lot of people have been talking about for a long time, but you were there way before I know of anybody else that was really talking about it. So uh, you've always got some really in, good, insightful stuff. And also some people that you got things you guys might not know is, is Tony actually was uh, one of the, what interviewers or uh, announcers of early UFC, like one of the first few UFCs. I remember, yeah. I remember you interviewing Tank Abbott, as a matter of fact, at that one point back happened. in the day. There's a very funny story around that, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been nuts, man. You know, I, uh, I started in 1979, 1980, uh, origin story. Uh, you know, one of my students got his, his, his ass kicked at a fight in school that his dad, I was only doing privates. His dad had paid me to teach him. He was a family friend and he knew I was into martial arts and he said, teach my son. And, um, I trained him, but what was I doing back then is I had, I had a wrestling background. I loved Taekwondo as my front, my first art. Uh, and I loved boxing. And so what was I doing? I was actually doing like an early version of MMA, you know, uh, and, you know, this is 979, 80, this is 13, 14 years before the first UFC. And, um, and, you know, so I'm doing like, I'm teaching, like, you know, how to strike or slip and we're doing all the, the stuff. And uh, of course, like most of us, you know, inspired Bruce Lee junkie back in the days. Sure. Right. And, uh, and, Mitch, my student, gets dropped by a left hook at this fight in school. And he, I show up for his private lesson, and I could see he's furious, and he's in his room, and he's upset on what happened. And, and he starts swearing at me. He says, blah, blah, I'm not going to swear now. But he goes, I go, okay, calm down. Tell me what happened. He goes, I was, I was running to class. I was late. This guy sees me. He trips me in front of all these students. You're 15 years old, right? So you're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. He falls down. He says, uh... I got up and, and I swore at the guy. I said, you know, bleep, 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 you know, alone. He said, this guy, and just for everyone listening to this is probably a martial arts self-defense instructor. We were very morally and ethically uh, uh, um, sound in our approach. I would talk about no retroactive violence, uh, you know, go to, the, go to the principal, go to the teacher. The kid hadn't touched him yet. It was all emotional abuse. And uh, long story short, the... Uh, when Mitch lost his cool, the guy came up to him and said, what did you call me? And he pokes him. And Mitch reflexively grabbed him and pushed him against the locker bank and said, don't, don't ever touch me again, you know, and he starts yelling at him. And the guy's like, or what? And, uh, and then the guy just boom, drops him with a left hook, as Mitch describes it. And I said, Mitch, like, like, hold on a second, like, why didn't you slip? Why didn't you parry? Why didn't you block? Why didn't you jam? Why didn't you do any of the things I told you? So he's describing, he says, I'm holding him like this. And he said, he, he looks down at his hands. He says, and I'm holding my school books in my other hand. So imagine if you had to fight somebody, Dave, holding on to somebody's shirt right, right. with your books. I mean, uh, how many punches would you get hit in the face with before? Now, what I didn't realize then, and here's an interesting thing that, that refers back to all the research I did on startle flinch. 
there's a part of, of our body's uh, survival reflex called the cross extensor chain. The cross extensor chain is that push away danger moment. So if I whip something through the screen here, if I grab my water and I squirt it at the screen, if you really go, everyone do that. So finger splayed outside 90. So I figured out a way to have to turn that into that startle flinch to turn that into what we call the body's biological airbag, how that would deploy to create space between you and your threat. And then when you understood finger splayed outside 90 and how to get that, that quarter extremity engagement, how to weaponize the startle flinch, reduce, like improve perception speed, decrease reaction time. I didn't know any of this in the eighties. I got cool language now because I studied it, but back then, what I didn't realize is that when you flinch, if you're holding on to something, so if I've got a if I got a book in my hand, you know, and I'm writing something, and you throw a punch at me, I'm going to lock up. My hand will clamp down on the Interesting. Hand. Interesting. And, yeah. and you'll see that in all the in all the baseball pictures that I show when we're teaching. Right. And you've seen some of them. Yeah. People are holding on to their pizza. They're holding on to their their coke bottle. They're holding on to whatever the binoculars. So it's called the cross extensor reflex. And, so they lock uh, down. They lock down to whatever yeah. they have a hold of. Okay. Because when the stimulus is introduced too quickly, then someone goes, you know, man, wham, and he's at you like this. If your body flinches, at the moment of a flinch, there's a micro contraction. If your hands are free, the fingers will splay, and you'll cover your head, but then you'll start to push away danger. Okay. Um, but if you're holding on to something, and this is where so significant in enhancing the survivability of police officers inside the reactionary gap, because very often they'll have a light, they're looking down, and if somebody ambushes them, they think, well, okay, I'll be able to create some space, get to my taser, get to my my weapon. But if they're holding on, their body actually locks onto that. So there's interesting uh, uh, drills and stuff we do to help educate people. But all of this, um, I didn't know any of this in 1980. And, and and so that fight with Mitchell, it was very interesting. He explains this, and while he's talking, Dave, it's almost like I say, like, the god of self-defense hit me with a lightning bolt, and I said this to myself. I said, oh, my God, we teach self-defense wrong. And I meant we collectively, because what I realized in that moment of inspiration was that most of us practice how to get out of a headlock, how to stuff a tackle, how to block a kick. Think about the way we're taught. We're taught a block, we're taught a movement, we're taught a slip or a parry. And then we say, to practice it, we say throw a punch. And then we parry it. We say throw a punch. And then we slip it. You know, if you're doing tie, you're checking your... And and do you remember Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours? The tipping Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the guy who did the original research was a, name, a guy named Erickson from Europe. And of course, for my younger generation there, uh, uh, Macklemore made it famous with his song. Right. So, um, you know, who Macklemore is Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. I just want to, just want to make sure you were woke and cool. Like I am, I've got teenage kids, right? So, um, um, but what people don't understand is realize is this, your brain is, is literally part of it functions like a hard drive. It remembers stuff. And a lot of people think there's a, such a thing as muscle memory and there isn't in the, in the clinical sense, there's no such thing as muscle memory. What there are, are are neural pathways. There's movement patterns that we're taught. And so to make it simply put, uh, to, uh, to explain it in a simple fashion, every time you practice something, you create a, a pathway, this the, the this myelinization of the neurotransmitter. Big fancy language. But when I would tell people, be careful what you practice, you might get really good at the wrong thing. 
superficially, people would think I was insulting their practice, their study. What I was talking about is this, that if I'm a boxer and I say to a boxer, guy walks up to you, he pokes you, says, give me a wallet and he has no weapon. What are you going to do? The boxer is going to go, well, I'm going to hit him with a liver shot. When he comes over, I'll pop with an uppercut. If I say to a Taekwondo expert, you're about to get mugged at an ATM, what do you do? He'll go, oh, well, I'm going to create space. I'm going to you know, round kick him to the gut and then hook kick him to the head. If I say to an MMA guy, what are you going to do? He goes, I'll take him anywhere. What I'm getting at is the art and style and system that we practice becomes our unconscious bias because of neuroscience. It's what we do. Got you it. go tackle a, a jiu-jitsu guy, he's going to hit you with a, he's either going to sprawl, guillotine, or pull guard because he's done that his 10,000 reps. Mm-hmm. What I figured out in 1980, and again, I've got a, a much more precise language now that I didn't have back then, but what I realized in 1980 was that when, when Mitchell grabbed the kid and had his books, that that was real life. That when, if something, you know, it would be uh, uh, probably an unfortunate exercise for somebody trying to mug you, Dave, but you know, you leave, you're late for dinner, you got right. your, your laptop here, you got your keys in your car, and then you, you're about to put it in the trunk. And as you're opening the trunk, you're totally distracted. You're thinking, and someone doesn't know that you're equipped emotionally, psychologically, physically to defend yourself. There's a moment when someone goes, hey, turn around, asshole. And you're like, whoa. Because your brain, I always tell people, you're, we are not our martial art outside the dojo or outside the school. We're just humans. We're at Starbucks and something happens. We're at, we're at a movie theater and something happens. And so when I said we teach self-defense wrong, what I meant was we weren't including a scenario that behaviorally distracted us from, from preloading our kick or our punch. The craziest thing in the 80s when I would do um, scenario-based training is everybody who practiced their art, if I said, Dave, stand over there, and someone's going to come up to you and try and mug you, put on our makeshift gear, you would see people standing like, try to do this in the camera, you'd see people like standing like this. And I go, is that how you stand at a bus stop? Like you're like, <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, and I, it was the hardest thing to get people not to be their style and to sit down and relax. Anyways, I went down a deep rabbit hole. But no, it was, it's good stuff, man. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's really good stuff. Go ahead. And, but, it, but, it, but it was that moment that, from that moment in 1980-ish, where every class we did, we would ask the question, what is the scenario we're preparing for? Does what we practice, you, you, of course, you, 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 you're not that old, so I was going to say you know Musashi, but I don't mean personally. Not personally, not personally, right? no. Um, but one of my most favorite Musashi tenets is do nothing which is of no use, which is fancy for, like, don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. So I look at everything here and I go, in the interest of personal safety, is there a scenario that this makes sense in to practice? And then I would reverse engineer it from there. But that gave that actually those that scenario practice turned into the spear system where I started noticing in a, in 13 years of doing force on force. It was this, this was like fight club before fight club. We get together once a month, beat the shit out of each other. And uh, this is, you know, uh, a decade before high gear, we were using Kyokushin Kai helmet, hockey gauntlets, mm-hmm. big shin guards. Uh, and, uh, uh, but I noticed two things that I think are significant for your audience and for everybody, everyone listening to this. Everybody, regardless of gender 
and regardless of their background, in a scenario, they all had a micro flinch. They all flinched. So when I got people to chill out and I go, someone walks up and they go, hey, man, give me your wallet or what are you doing here? Or, you know, what are you looking at? We would start these like little barroom fight scenarios that that when the bad guy went, you know, man, boom, and, the, and a sucker punch came in. I don't care if it was a boxer, a judo player, a jiu-jitsu guy. The first movement they did was a micro flinch where the hands came up to protect the head and then push away danger. So I noticed that. And that's when I started investigating what is this movement to start a flinch. But the most important thing I noticed, which ties us to really, you know, getting strategic during a pandemic is this. I noticed that everybody who managed their fear managed to fight. I'll say that again. The people that managed their fear managed to fight. So I would, you could see somebody who you go, okay, that guy's had his nose busted a couple of times. got a cauliflower ear. He looks like he's got a lot of experience in the scenario we do. Like that guy might quit. He might roll over and tap and, and we didn't have a formal tapping. There was no that type of tapping. But he'd back off in the scenario and I go, wow, I didn't think that guy was going to quit in this scenario. He was just emotionally overwhelmed. And then that female who I thought for sure would quit, she was clawing and scratching and screaming, get off me. And like, you know, doing like, like it was some Kung Fu system we'd never seen, like just freaking out, right? And I started to notice over a decade, and this is what put together my whole psychology of fear, is the people who manage their fear manage to fight. And that's significant for everybody. And because there's lots of evidence out there in law enforcement and military and even in general public of somebody who thought they were trained and then were overwhelmed, not by the, the, by, by the actual attack. Because if you look at any attack, it's a sucker punch. It's a shove. The tax are pretty basic. They're uniform around the world. Why didn't somebody access their skill? The answer when you peel the onion is always they were afraid. And And the fear froze them. It locked them up. So the combination of a flinch, which which sent a a physiological message through the body. And it's so when we start a flinch, it's tied to the amygdala, the limbic system, the reptilian brain. If nobody educates you or your students on how important it is to understand that this is a survival reflex, it doesn't mean you're lacking courage. It doesn't mean you're lacking skill. But and you've heard me, I think, in one of the seminars I talked about, I was a competitive skier. But my ski coach was actually a ski trainer. He didn't understand how to talk about fear and performance. And so I never made it at the highest level as a, as a skier I didn't sabotage my success by not showing up. I was a really good athlete and really competitive, but I never placed because I was always out of control emotionally. I was skiing too hard. Got it. And the thought that I had, Dave, was this. I kept on thinking as a teenager, if I'm so good, why am I so scared? And I had that same thought when I competed as a martial artist. Mm-hmm. I felt like, like, like everyone, like I'm supposed to be this good, but I'm so scared right now that I backed off from it. And, and, and this carried through now, here we are 40 years later, turning 60 this weekend. Like, holy moly. Thank you, man. Um, I realize if somebody had taught me how to look at fear differently as a teenager, I would still be here, but I'd have, you know, more hair, less gray hair, <laughs> less, less cortisol. Um, it's really a huge thing. It's just understanding that the psychology of fear and our relationship with it can literally change our life. 
So this is kind of like, and you're talking fear regarding like self-defense, but this also carries over just in general with like the pandemic that's going on right now, right? So understanding the fear loop will help us deal not with just the bad guy that might be around the corner, but dealing with uncertainty of the future, right? Right, because fear doesn't care, right? I make a joke that violence doesn't care about your martial art. Violence doesn't care if you're you know left or right. Violence doesn't care. It just happens. But the violence we're experiencing right now is self-perpetuated by the movie we're playing in our mind. You like you. The, so the fear spike now we've trained for years. Okay. How do I handle the fear spike? If a guy throws a kick or a punch? Well, in, in my research over the decades, I put together and, and you know, this chart and I'll, and I'll go into it in, in deeper, uh, a little bit deeper after I'll show it again. So, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, we'll, we'll post it in the thread uh, okay. in the link so people can see it. So, just a caveat to everybody. We, we tried to get it. Uh, we, we had some technical difficulties. We're going to try to throw it up on the screen. It's probably on my end. I couldn't figure something out. So we'll, we'll find a way to get it to them. Right. And, and, and if you Google Tony Blauer cycle of behavior, uh, you'll get it's up online. Okay. Okay. So um, the so you're 100 percent right. The like fear doesn't care. And what that means is that if I understand the psychology of fear, then we have an expression in our in our in our courses where we say that fear throttles everything we do from who we talk to, therefore, who we marry and who our friends are. Right. You know, I might go, you might go, oh my God, that's so-and-so. And I go, go say hi, you're a huge fan. No, no, no. I don't want to bother him. I don't want to do that. Well, that's a fear loop. And now it may be inappropriate to, you know, go like talk at that someone's having dinner or they're in the middle of getting married. You're not going to, you know, like right. to crash the wedding. Um, but there's lots of people, there's lots of people who don't say, don't put their hand up, don't ask the question because of fear. Number one fear in the world pre-pandemic is fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, uh, I interviewed victims of violence just to, because this is probably mostly a martial art group listening to this. For decades, I interviewed victims of violence and every single one of them who failed to try to defend themselves gave into their fear. Mm-hmm. And the people who who fought were the people that managed a fear. And I want to I want to caveat that by saying just because you fight doesn't mean you win. But when you fight in a choiceless fight, even if you lose the physical altercation, you, what you retain is something more important, your dignity, your pride, your self-esteem. You get to say, I fought. It's really, it's, re- it's such a good distinction. It really is. It's like, uh, uh, you know, it, because it's, it's a, as I've heard you say before, this was uh, an ambush, right? I f- like there's a difference between a fight and a self-defense situation, mm-hmm. right? A fight is you and I have words, we go out in the back parking lot and we start something out and that's not self-defense, you know? And right. So what you're talking about is I have no choice. It's not like I, I can do this or not. Someone's on me. And so how I can in set, in essence, regardless of the outcome, I win if I am able to control my, and, and, you know, channel my energy and control my fear. Right. And it, exactly. hundred percent. And if you really understand the psychology of a bad guy, bad guys don't want to get caught. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want for things to take too long. And bad guys also only want property, body or life, property, body or life. So when you really absorb that, it's a scary list because it's so short, but it, what it does is it informs what I call the choiceless choice. The choiceless choice in, in, a, in a sudden violent attack is you must fight. And I and so I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, coaching calls, business calls, seminar webinars like this, where I explain to people 
COVID-19 is a choiceless choice. We have no choice but to fight. Mm-hmm. We got to temper that and balance that with, uh, you know, trusting our government, trusting the CDC, trusting, okay, shelter in place, you know, social distancing and all that. But then we've got multiple assaults on different fronts. The most, the most dangerous assault right here is, and I, I refer to this as the, the, uh, um, the, the movie in our mind. The movie in our mind. And what is the movie in our mind? So there's an acronym that I love. And I'll pop this off here and show this, show this real quick. Um, if people can see, I'm trying to figure out where the camera is. I'm always spazzy when I do this. Um, on this on this part here, on the, on the red part here. You, you know what I'm going to do, Tony? I'm going to take myself out of this for a second. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and then uh, I'm going to hide. Yep. There we go. So if you look at this guy, I'm trying to get it to, uh, hopefully in here, you can see that now. And then I move it there. There we go. So weird on the camera here, so that's like I'm really savvy. But green is the scenario, green is that mindset where you go, I got this, no problem, I'm motivated, I'm trained, you'll be okay. And then there's a sudden stimulus. It could be a couple times a sudden attack, or it could be COVID 19. It could be change in the government policy then we get the fear spike and then what happens in the fear spike there's the last part there and you'll see this when you look at this more carefully there's an acronym we use just before the challenge of threat door and the acronym for fear is false expectations appearing real i'll mm-hmm. say it again false expectations appearing real false it's when i'm visualizing a future event that debilitates me in the present i'm visualizing I'm going to lose my school. I'm going to lose my house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose my students. And now I'm in the fear loop. Now, is the fear real? Yes, because the danger is real. But, and this is significant, I want to share something so important for all of you. If we need to solve problems, we also can't become the problem. When you're in the fear loop, and I always tell people, you need to be your own bodyguard. That's one of the, that's the name of one of our courses, be your own bodyguard. You don't have time to dial 911. Uh, for, for decades, I've been telling people, you're the first responder in your fight. The first responder, right, wants to be there, but in your confrontation, you don't even have time to dial 911. So you're also, in this case here, like if you're sitting on your butt, hoping that an SBA, um, uh, uh, thanks, Sandy, we'll figure that out. I think we got audio stuff. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, you apply for an SBA loan and like it hasn't come in, it doesn't come in. Like if you're sitting there waiting for the cavalry to rush you, you're not solving problems. Mm-hmm. You need to stay busy. You need to be thinking about, about you know, uh, just even the psychology of service and helping other people. When I do something like this, and I told you this, Dave, the ability me for to get on and, and and talk to your audience isn't just an honor. It keeps me busy. There's a Latin expression, "qui doset deset," "qui doset deset." It stands for those who teach learn. Every time I teach, I'm teaching myself. Selfishly, I'm here. I'm going to get off this call. I'm going to be so fired up. There's no way I'm not going to be productive today. Why? Because I'm thinking about and talking about strategy and solving problems. So, so I, I think your points are so well taken. And I, I think so much along the same lines for me, like I got these three A's I'm focused on right now. And that is, is attitude, 
adaptability and action, right? That's what I can focus on. And what I try to do is I position, try to position challenges in the form of a question that assumes there's an answer. So right now I'm thinking, how can I manage this crisis in a way that brings maximum benefit to my community, my business, and my family? And when I ask that question, what it does, it, it, it helps me to kind of what not deal with what you're talking about, like thinking about what ifs in a year and a half from now, which right. is a freaking waste of time. There's, you know, we've got to take action. We don't want our head in the sand, uh, but we also can't let that spoil the sunset. You know what I'm saying? In other words, we got to do what we got to do, but then it, it, enjoy the day because when, when you let that fear, as, as I've had it you grasp me before, you're, you're useless for everybody, right? right. No place to right. be. Yeah, so the, so there's several things that that we can think about with respect to fear, and I always tell people, you know, and that's why I've got the shirt, right? We all remember the company, the No Fear Company, and so so wow, this camera thing is messing me up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. There's something like it's reversed on me, and I'm like going, I, like I feel like <laughs> I do not feel like a coordinated martial artist when I'm doing that. Um, so. Uh, so, you know, in the 80s, we came up with this concept of like, there's no such thing as no fear, but there is a way to get to no fear because fear throttles everything we do from who we talk to, to who we marry, from how much money you make to where you live to, you know, uh, I could see back in the day when, when back in the 80s, when I set up my school in 1985, we had 10 heavy bags, we had a boxing ring, we had weights. And everything we did would run through the we you know this this scenario filter. But I could see a student walk into the gym and look over and see the the ring and go, "Wow, you got a ring here!" And then a minute later, another potential student would walk in, looking around the gym. They see the ring in the corner and they go, and you see them step back and go, and I could see one person was enthusiastic and leaning into it, and one person wasn't. If you don't understand fear. You don't understand how to uh, um, psychologically address the students. So you sign up both students, hoping that your leadership gets the student who's afraid of the ring to one day say, hey, coach, when can I go in the ring? So I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, yeah, I, you know, something that, that uh, uh, you know, one of the things in advertising that the advertisement I used to have would be like one guy hitting the guy in the head, right? Like this is, and and you'd think, man, you know, people, that, but what happens, half the people identify with the guy getting hit, right? It, yeah. So, so it's, it's like they didn't always focus on what they, their picture, they're coming from a different place. Right. And, and yeah, it's interesting. like, oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, that's, that, yeah. that's probably not. So when someone walks into your school and they see a ring, some people are thinking, hold me, you know, oh my goodness, I'm going to get my butt kicked if I step in right. or somebody else. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and and so to optimize yourself as a self-defense instructor, a martial art instructor, uh, you know, I'll share a little bit more about what, what I meant when I alluded to my ski. I said my ski coach was my actual ski trainer. Is He never looked at me and said, you're a really good athlete. You've been skiing for uh, like well over a decade. You're competing at, at a, a, a uh, I lived in Canada, so they had the, the uh, provinces at a provincial level. So it'd be like, like at a state level. Sure. And uh, he never pulled me aside, put his arm around me and said, Hey, what's going on, kid. He would always say, watch this gate here. Remember this here. You got this. You're ready to go. I'd take off like a batter to hell. And I was always skiing so hard because I wanted to prove that I belong there. I didn't know how to reconcile my fear, but I also didn't have the confidence to say to my coach or my parents, why am I so scared? And back then in the 80s, this is 1975, they wouldn't have known what to say. Even today when I look at, and I look at sports psychology, there's not a big 
there's not a big emphasis on understanding fear management. In fact, I mean, I was writing something for uh, a little post on LinkedIn uh, late last night where I said most people have a stigma around the word fear. They don't want to admit that they have fear, even to this day. They don't want to say, yeah, I'm scared because they, they see that as like admitting some sort of weakness. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, fear management needs a new manager because the stigma, if you're afraid of the word fear, consider the irony. I don't want to talk about fear. Why? I'm scared. (laughs) Right, right, right. But what if you could change your relationship with fear and decide that fear was a, you know, they use the term of your superpower. In a metaphor, the metaphor that I use in my classes, Dave, I say, listen, your body, your physique, your conditioning, your martial art, your, that's the car, right? Someone looks at you, Dave, I need you to work on your calves. They're too skinny. You go, damn, like that's your brakes, right? Like you're building your car. Right, right, right. I I need my flexibility. Your mind is your strategy. You understand stimulus response. You understand block counter. You understand, you know, the chess match that is the fight. Um, and, and in the car metaphor, your mind is the GPS. It's the map. I know where we got to go. But in this car metaphor, we need fuel to get there. So we go, yeah, let's gasoline. Well, if, if your fuel is fear, because when you're concerned about a competition. You're concerned about enrollment at your school. You're concerned about self-defense. That is fear. And so I created this complete reframe in the 80s where I said, in a real dangerous situation, and are we in danger right now because of COVID-19? Yeah. We're at the mercy of the government. They could say, you need to stay shut here. This is your opening pattern. You're, you're, you get, okay, how are jiu-jitsu schools going to teach if they say social distancing? Six feet, Right. Right. Like even you, you can't do any partner drills anymore and we'll get through it. We'll figure out stuff. But right now we got a lot of fear for our own, our own sanity and our security. But if we don't change our relationship with fear, we're not going to create the best strategy to adapt and pivot. And so the, the, the frame that I'd like to share with your audience is this is instead of saying I need to be fearless, I'm okay being fearful, meaning I've got a full tank of fear. You don't run across the street without checking if there's a bus or a car whipping along because you respect fear to keep you alive. And in that silly example, what we realize is we don't realize is that like 20 years ago, when you were seven years old, you know, you were walking across the street playing with a game or not paying attention and your guardian, your mom or your dad grabbed your hoodie, pulled your back as a car went by and went, what are you doing? You need to stop and look and see, right? And and so, but slowly we started to adapt to understanding fear and that's applied to how we drive, to how we talk, to when we put our hand up. Go ahead. So I, I, I want to be, uh, this is great stuff, I, you know, and uh, I, I want uh, like, tactically all right and also i want to be respectful of everybody's time i want to try to wrap in the next 10 or 15 minutes if we can what give me hey man you know i'm worried about if i'm gonna be able to pay the rent next month you know give me okay. something when, when that pops into my head what are some steps that i can i can take right, right, right now to kind of get me great, great question because we'll talk for like 10 hours um so people always say what should i do here right and, and and I'll give you I'll give you a, a martial art answer and then I'll do a COVID nineteen pandemic answer. The person who doesn't know what to do says, "What should I do? What should I do if the guy grabs me here? What should I do if I 
He grabs my arm. What should I do if he's got a knife? And we're looking for an answer. And I always tell people, I say, you've got to run it through uh, a performance psychology model. Who are you with? Who's the bad guy? What's at risk? Is it property, body, or life? Are you off balance emotionally, psychologically, physically? Because if you just default to the complex motor skill move that you were taught, that might make things worse. You may not be in a position to do what you were taught. We need to be thoughtful so that so everything runs through in our system, physiology, physics, and psychology. It's the same thing here. People go, what should I do if? And I go, and, and, and so what I'm going to share with you is literally when I'm coaching people okay. in a private session, I tell them, number one, I said this already, you can't solve a problem if you become a problem. And that problem is that you are in the fear loop. So how do I get out of the fear loop? I need to recognize the steps in the fear loop. Um, when, they, when I get a, a stimulus, and so everyone listen to this. When I get a negative stimulus, and the negative stimulus is just something outside my comfort zone. For example, if, if we've got a pandemic scare twice a year moving, people want to know, what I was saying is people always want to know when they're scared what should I do now? And and the answer, right? The answer is, you, you know, the old maxim, you know, uh, you know, give a person a fish, you feed them for the day, teach them how to fish, you feed them for their life. I believe after decades of studying violence, 40 years of studying violence, that, like I said earlier, those who manage their fear manage to fight. That when we change our relationship with fear, that we change our ability to see what we need to do next. Um, if you think about this, let's say, this here, everyone see I'm holding my phone. It's not on. This is the solution, right? What am I doing? It's staring me right in the face. The solution is right in front of me. But because where do we hold our fear, Dave? Where does fear manifest and stay? It's behind us in our head. Think of the movie. The movie is in our mind. When you get a fear spike and someone goes, you're going to lose your school or you're going to your 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 wife, your husband's going to leave you or your kid's going to turn out like this or whatever brings on the fear spike as a parent or as a, a business owner. We start when we start to fixate on it. So think about this doubt becomes hesitation. Hesitation becomes procrastination. Procrastination becomes fixation. Fixation becomes non-clinical anxiety, which is where I'm now not doing anything. I'm immobilized by fear. So how I help people is I teach them how to read this map, right? How to read the map and understand the map because this is a universal truth. I'm going through my day, everything's good, and then all of a sudden, fear spike. Fear spike makes me stop and this movie starts in my mind. But the movie in our mind is this. The movie in our mind is I am the star of a horror movie, false expectations appearing real, and I've cast myself as victim number one instead of the action hero. And in this metaphor, and it's goofy, but it's so good um, that you're the screenwriter, you're the director, you're the producer of every movie in your mind. Right? So, so and I want people to understand this because it's, it's so simple. You go through your day. If I say to you, uh, um, Dave, you're going to go to this tournament, you're going to compete. And you go, okay. And I go, yeah, it's, it's, it's guys, it's guys, you know, from your, from your, yeah, community. Wait, see, I'm just going to my, okay. Okay. yeah. Okay. Um, and you go, you're thinking, okay, these are guys that I know. And you make this assumption that this tournament is going to be people in your age bracket. 
But then you get there and you see in this tournament that you've agreed to, that you signed up for, you see uh, Anderson Silva and you see <laughs> Frank Shamrock and you see uh, BJ Penn and, and, and your brain starts going, these guys are going to kill me. These are pro fighters. You haven't even fought yet. This is the false expectation appearing real. You haven't even fought yet, but you've already decided you're getting your ass kicked. That's what we do in business sometimes. That's what we do when we're scared. The assaults during the pandemic right now are, are they're fueled by things we hear in the news. And that's the stimulus that creates the doubt, the hesitation, the fixation, the non-clinical anxiety, where instead of me trying to figure out a solution, I've become the problem. I'm now the bottleneck. So the way I help people is I get them to change their relationship with fear. That what I want you to do, I started to tell you with this car metaphor, right? That your car is your body, your the, the navigation system is your map and your understanding. But what we need to drive through uh, uh, this storm is we need to have a full tank. And when we're driving in a dangerous uh, capacity here, our fuel is our fear. So instead of thinking I need to be fearless, it's okay to be fearful. If I That means I've got a full tank of fear. That means, like, if I said to you, you have kids, right, Dave? I do. How many? Two. Okay, cool. So if I said to you, um, hey, you're going to fight this guy in the parking lot, and it's going to be a really dangerous fight, and you might lose, and you go, well, you know, you know, I'll do my best. And then I go, oh, by the way, he's in the parking lot now, and he's attacking your kids. Dave disappears, and you're out there, wham, and you're on. Like, if when I see, that's our be your bodyguard reframe where I ask people, what would you do to protect yourself? And they go, well, and it's a theoretical answer. Well, I do this, I do this. Right, right. He's attacking your grandmother. Somebody's attacking your dog. And they're like, and they find this indignation. I need people here to tap into their indignation, that how dare you. And it's a different type of anger. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You can't do that if you, if you have an old definition of fear. And so... You, the, the things that you all need to do is immediately just change your relationship with fear. I'm going to share something, and I and I make these actionable steps by using quotes. There was one that you saw that you helped go virus. Fear is contagious, so is courage. Choose courage. That simple thought can get you off the couch, mm-hmm. get you another push-up, can get you exploring uh, uh, partnerships and pivots online and starting Zoom classes, right? So uh, here's another one that I love. You can't be brave if you're not afraid. You can't so, be brave. You know, the, the, you know the, the how dare you concept is pretty powerful. It's huge. It's, it's, it's so powerful. Like how, you know, yeah, man, I, I love it. It's like because what you're doing now is you're taking what you were totally friggin' scared to death of and you're, you're challenging it and you're using that, you know, to, uh, to deflect off and, and, and go forward. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, so the indignation thing was something that, that came about also uh, when I was putting together the whole be your own bodyguard program where, where I would have mostly women in the class and I would say, I would say to them, you know, like, what would you do to defend yourself? And I would describe some serial rapist killer and they'd be scared. And I go, well, what would you do if you came home and somebody was was trying to attack your, your kid in that fashion? And these moms would go, everything from how dare you bring that image into my mind. One mom at the first very first event said, said, what is wrong with you? How dare you put that image in my mind? And she looks at me, she goes, I will rip his heart out if he tries to harm <laughs> my kids. Literally says that. 
So I calm her down and there's other, there's 20 women in the class. And I go, ma'am, what did you just say? And you can see she's seething, Dave. She's got veins in her. She's like this. She's like, nobody touches my family. Nobody. I said, but what did you say? She goes, what? I go, what did you say you would do? She said, I'd rip his heart out. I said, well, let me tell you, that's medically impossible, but I like where your mind's at in terms of fueling, fueling that. I said, that's called indignation. How dare you? And it's a freaking superpower when we need to when we need to take action so if you combine you can't be brave if you're not afraid i need you to understand this every we all know what what the sickening like the 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 performance anxiety or the real fear of danger a scare a medical scare a business scare uh so i can't reach my family and it's that that we're like this feeling in the pit of our stomach, like our insides are being sucked out, butterflies, we're sweating, vertical breathing, sympathetic nervous system is activated. We all know what that feels like and it sucks. We all know what courage looks like when we read it in a book, when we hear it in a story, when we see it in a movie, even if it's fictional, we go, wow. But part of us goes, I wonder if I could do that. Mm -hmm. And what I do, and remember, I've, I've been studying fear for, for decades, over 40 years now. And I, and what I was looking for was this, is there a connection between this man and this woman and this act and this? And I noticed, and I said it uh, uh, 10 times on our call, the people who manage their fear manage to fight. And that's the secret here that I don't have the answer, nor does Dave or anyone. Hey, dude, Hey Dave, I think I'm going to lose my school. I'm going to lose. I can't help you. Right. Because it's, it's not a question of like just the bailout. You got to figure out the solution and it could be right here. Mm-hmm. But if you're in your head going, I'm losing, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. You know, you remember Dan Millman, Way the, yeah. way the Warrior? I, 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 I Absolutely. I carried a garbage bag of trash with him for about uh, about four hours one time to take right. his brain. Great guy. So, so his greatest quote, and he's got a lot of them, is this one. I share it with all of you. If you face just one opponent and you doubt yourself, you are outnumbered. If you face just one opponent, you doubt yourself, you're outnumbered. You need to give yourself permission to win. You need to give yourself. So how many of us, when we're scared, go, this always happens to me, or I'll never find a way out of this, or I'm done. Then these are normal thoughts. So I'm not one of these like, like, uh, uh, and, and I always make the joke, I'm not a psychologist. I don't play one on TV. But guess what? I train psychologists in, in how to use this map there i've got psychologists using it to help people with ptsd anxiety because the map is so simple when you change your relationship with fear you change your mind you change how your mind looks at the fear spike so the actionable steps are literally google this online study it we actually have a a a a program there's access to me there's and there's there's free lectures online i'm not trying to sell anybody anything but the the idea is this, is I can't solve a problem if I'm the problem, and I'm the problem if I'm in the fear loop. The fear loop represents your metaphor of quicksand. I'm here like this, I'm freaking drowning, and I don't even know how to, I don't know how to get out of here. Um, you can't be brave if you're not afraid was the last quote that I was sharing with you. And then the reframe of that is to realize that, that the progression to courage starts with something happens and I'm scared, and everyone steps back. And then one person says, someone's got to do something. And this is that, that, that remember I said that the movie metaphor where you've cast yourself as a victim? I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I can't believe this. Huh? Well, the movie's in your mind. 
I had a talk with my wife last night and she said, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay, but I keep thinking if this goes on a long time, maybe I'm not going to be okay. If this goes on, we're okay. We're, we've got food right now. You're working your ass off. A little bit of money's coming in, but is this sustainable? And I said, well, like, where are you in your mind? She goes, I'm thinking like six months from now. I go, but it's today. Mm-hmm. Yep. today tomorrow, my week, my weeks are now two days long. I don't need to think about six months from now. That's your three A's. Let's do shit right now. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, I, I talked her off the ledge there, but the ledge is a movie in her mind where we have cast ourselves as victim number one. And I said, the movie in your mind can also be you casting yourself as the hero of an action a movie. And in every action movie, the hero gets his ass kicked in the beginning, right? He's kidnapped. And then yeah, yeah. He'll figure right. out how to, he's got to figure out how to MacGyver himself. So you won't believe how simple... This is, the truth is, this is a choiceless choice. If you are in fear, you have no choice but to learn how to change your relationship with fear. If you don't feel fear, but you feel frustrated because you're like, you're stymied, you can't do stuff because shelter in place, social distancing, all that is is semantics of fear because you don't know what to do. And so the psychology of the process is this, I have a fear spike. I need to do something like outstanding right now. That's called courage. That's called bravery. And if you understand that everybody who ever did something courageous was fearful before that, because you see that all the time, some courageous bystander says someone's got to do something and then they go, it's going to be me. And when you, and when you interview somebody on the news, we go, what made you run into that burning building? What made you go rescue that kid? What made you stop that active killer? You're a hero. 99% of the answers are I'm no hero. I would just want somebody to do that. If that was me or my family, I would want somebody to help. So, you know, uh, Sensei Benny, the jet said he talks about 10, 10 seconds of courage will change mm-hmm. your life. And, and what he's talking about is this very thing. Uh, you know, all you need to do is, is because Sorry. once you, uh, once you, what's that 10 seconds is there, it's going to be 20 seconds. And next thing you know, you're taking the, you, the action has begun. And then you've got that momentum as well. Right. The, the all has the taste. And so, so, so Sensei Benny, freaking legend, icon, you know, one of the guys I, I looked mm-hmm. up to so much. Remember his jump back kick when he used to compete? Oh, and be on his yeah. calls. But how many of us also physically had a good jump back kick, but could never make it work in a tournament? You know why? Because you'd be here like this, you'd see the opening and then you thought, it's not going to get in. It's not fast enough. He's going to counter. Right. He's going to back fist me in the head. He's going to reverse punch me in the head. And the moment we entertained the movie of fear, fear, that fear spike creates doubt. Doubt creates hesitation. The moment's gone. Well, Bruce Lee called it thought in action. And that was the very moment you think about striking, that's when you strike. And if there's any, if there's any leg time between the two, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's kind of like, you know, that, that's body spontaneity. Yeah. All, all, all Bruce, spiritual mentor of mine and yours, uh, uh, Benny the Jet, you know him personally. I do too. I never had the right. chance yep. to like, get super close to him. Um, uh, but we've hung out and talked. And we, in fact, two years ago, we sat beside each other at dinner and caught up in, in Vegas. Um, these guys are outliers. Benny the Jet's an outlier. He became one of the best in the world. Bruce Lee is an outlier. And and we can glean great insights, but a lot of times their messages are like Zen fortune cookies. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thought, thought in action. For the rest of us, I had to do this for like decades and go. <laughs> like, like, no, I, how, how do you, yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you actually make, make that repeatable? 
You know, yeah. so listen, there's classic stories. There's a famous SAS uh, uh, regiment story of of a, a soldier they found frozen to death on the side of a mountain that was just hundreds of yards from from the line he had to cross to graduate his land nav. And they couldn't find him, so they sent out a rescue party. And here's a guy who wants to be an SAS regiment soldier. And they find him. He's dead. He's frozen to death. Sorry to get graphic on the call. And you know how soldiers can be self-deprecating and their 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 irony and humor is often very dark right. because of what they do. So they go, they find him, they go, oh my God, there he is. And he's like frozen, leaning against the rock. And uh, and the um, the guy says, he says to, to, to his sergeant or the chief or whatever, he goes, he goes, what's this mean, man? And the guy goes, well, he fails land nav, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, but, but here's the thought. Um, here's the thought is here's a guy who, who jumped out of airplanes, skydive. He was in another army unit, now wants to get into this regiment. He was tough as nails. What made him, Dave, stop moving and sit down and give up? He was lost. He was emotionally, psychologically lost. His mind gave up. So when, when, when I share this with people, I go like even tough as nails experienced people can quit because they're in the fear loop. I'm done. I'm just going to sit here and give up because mm-hmm. they would have found him if he kept going, crawling, mm-hmm. dead. He kept moving. We all need to keep moving right now. You need to find a way to manifest courage and you can't do it if you're bottlenecking the creativity your three A's, repeat them again, because they're great. Uh, attitude, uh, adaptability, and action. Beautiful. If you have a shitty attitude, you're not going to be adaptable, and you're not going to take action. This flows into the same thing. You can bring them in, babe. Um, this flows into the to the to the same thing here. Of you know, I've got to you know, I've got to be resourceful. I got to be creative. But if I'm bottlenecking creativity, the answer can be right here in front of my nose. But in the back of my head, I'm going, I'm done. I don't know what to do. I'm now sitting and leaning on my rock. So, so Tony, I, I, I read an interview, and I don't even remember with the guy's name now, but he was an ultra marathoner. He would run 100 milers, right? And someone David said, have you Goggins, ever? yeah, it wasn't David Goggins, but okay. it was a guy like that, right? Okay, yeah, and yeah. he says, have you, have you ever given up before in one of these races? And he goes, are you kidding? I give up all the time on these races. I just can't make sure that my feet keep moving, you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and just that's, like that's, that's really taking action. That's really what what my message is with the fear loop is we start going, like we go, oh, this is we're done. Like you did a big pivot. You're teaching on Zoom. You're doing stuff. You're figuring out how to do stuff. Your team's coming together. Well, like what if Zoom? Like what if Zoom goes down? You I'm figure sky- something else out. You, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. But but a bunch of us would go, oh, that's it. We're done, mm-hmm. right? Instead of, okay, now what are we gonna do? Right now, okay, and we would figure out FaceTime or or someone would invent a new, we'd figure it out. Yep, yep. Hey, you man, gotta I, I, you got to give yourself permission to win. I come back to, to uh, you know, Dan Millman's quote. If you face a threat and you doubt yourself, you're outnumbered. That's a great one, man. So, hey, I tell you what, I want to I want to wrap this up. I, I first off, if you uh, tell, uh, I know you've got a bunch of stuff available. Uh, uh, you know, not, are, are, is anybody open to train with you in your gym, or is that just your elite yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. It, it's open. I'll send you the links. I've got a garage gym program. If you go to my Instagram feed, uh, if you go to my Instagram feed in in the link in the bio, that's it's one on one garage gym with me. 
my dogs are going to start going nuts here. That's okay. Um, uh, and, um, and then my new website for the pandemic is no fear now, no fear now, K N O W F E R now N O W. But Dave, I'd love to offer a, for your family. Can we give them a code that on checkout Absolutely. on any of our digital stuff, let's just have it Kovars K O V A R S. Okay. Kovar or Kovars? Kovars is fine. Yeah. My, my last okay. name is Kovar, but our company's Kovars. So right. yeah. So, so, guys, I'll have my office create uh, a link. If you go to nofearnow.com, any, any one of the products, uh, the digital stuff. So we've got a whole uh, No Fear program where it's, it's all of my keynote with me explaining it. You can get that. I, I know it'll help. I had, a, um, I had a, uh, a guy a couple weeks ago did the course, and he, he ends. He's messaged me. He says, hey, I just did the... He said, I just did the, uh, the no fear program. He said, I've had uh, mild anxiety for years. He said, is it possible that it's gone? And I, <laughs> answered him and said, I said, you know what? If I were your therapist, I tell you no, because I'm still paying off my car and my boat. I said, like, why can't it be gone? I don't know. I'm not your therapist. But the idea here is that I'm, I'm making a joke with a true conversation. If we didn't have fear of the past or the future, there'd be no need for therapy. If you didn't fear fear, what would you do right now? If nobody had fear, we would, we would always defend ourselves. We would always invest in the stock market. We'd always ask people to marry us. We'd always try things if we didn't fear fear. It's good stuff, man. Well, I, I really, uh, very insightful. If I was looking down, it's because I got a couple pages of notes, right? Ah. Uh, a bunch of gems, man. And uh, I appreciate, you know, what you do and how you think and your forward thought process. And I'll put some links in this line, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'll, I'll oh. maybe you can send me some and, and we'll make sure oh, to add them in here right. and I uh, uh, appreciate your time, man. I wish you the best during this challenge and, and, and uh, everybody stay. Thanks for staying tuned. We had a lot of people Thank carry you. back over Thanks. and uh, Thanks, appreciate all you do, man. Take care. Bye everybody. Thanks Bye, everybody. Thanks.